Legend has it that one day, a new king will come. It's been promised and put off for years. The long-awaited Avatar 2 is now scheduled for release December 2022, and New Zealand has a big role. Filming of the sci-fi epic set on a moon called Pandora is underway in Wellington right now for four, that's right, four sequels. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. Today on The Detail, how to make a blockbuster in a pandemic. Avatar producer John Landau talks about why the team's back in New Zealand. Let's remember, we were here on the first Avatar, and we came down into an unknown production situation. It was one we believed we could make work, and we're back because it did work. How they got through the border when thousands of others were shut out. There was no favoritism. These are the people that will unlock the door to millions of dollars flowing into the economy. And what it means for New Zealand's film industry. I see New Zealand as a continuing opportunity for films, regardless of COVID or not. When coronavirus hit, film and TV makers everywhere were forced to call cut. There are 70,000 movie theaters in China, and every single one of them is closed right now because of the coronavirus. There's no doubt that the issues around the coronavirus are having a significant impact. One of its biggest victims is Hollywood, the center of America's entertainment industry. We're completely shut down. We have 50 TV shows on air in various platforms in the U.S., virtually every platform in the U.S. Our own $3 billion industry employing tens of thousands of workers was hit hard. But now it's bouncing back as New Zealand is being touted as a safe haven. Filmmakers are now calling action on several international projects and one is James Cameron's avatar at Stone Street Studios in Miramar. Here's John Landau. And we've taken over that studio for the, you know more than the last year. Yeah. And uh, we're using all the stages and every nook and cranny and all of those things. Right now, we're, we're embarking on four sequels to Avatar, Avatar uh, 2, 3, 4, and 5. We are shooting those all what I call concurrently. And the plan was always to do the live action work here in New Zealand. Hmm. We were here last year for about six months where we filmed both here uh, in Wellington and also in Auckland at uh, the Kumu Studios, KFS Studios. And the plan was to return here in March. And lo and behold, uh, the week we were supposed to be traveling, the pandemic arose and we made the decision not to come even before your borders were restricted. So did you always think you would come back? You weren't making another plan to film, do it all in the US or or another country that was easier to get to? Well, we had to look at all of our options um, because we have uh, in our movie a a 15-year-old actor who's getting older by every day. And, uh, you know, we didn't know when we'd be able to get back into New Zealand. We didn't know, you know, where what we'd have to do. But we knew we had to film him before he was 19. <laughs> um, so, um, and, and, you know, our first choice was definitely to work here. It was a crew we were familiar with. We loved the uh, passion, the discipline, and everything that they bring to the table. And um, our, our goal was to definitely come here and, and work. And so when you said, OK, we're coming back, what did you have to do to make that happen, to get across the border, I suppose? Well, even before getting across the border, it was important for us that we had a plan in place that we felt was, was safe 
Um, so uh, we had our associate producer, Bridget York, and our um, head medic of, in charge of safety, Paul Anderson. Uh, they came up with a very, very comprehensive 76-page uh, uh, COVID safety plan. We wanted Comfort to know that you know we were coming down and could create a, a safe as possible environment for our crew and for our cast. Um, simultaneously to that, you know, we reached out uh, to the government and uh, applied through the official channels for the exemption to bring down a, a number of people that would uh, create 15-fold jobs and opportunities on top of the number of people we were bringing down and, and went through that process. And was all that straightforward? I mean, did you have to do some negotiating with the government to get here? Look, no one had gone through this before, so there were no you know, rules that were written in stone uh, about how to do it. And we, we followed you know, the procedures, but we quarantined, for example, in Wellington. Mm. Um, that had not been done before. So we had to work out the quarantine procedures and make sure that was safe, uh, not just for our crew, uh, but for people who were local here, because that, that, that was paramount importance to us as well. But did the government offer you any kind of incentives to come back, or was it, you know... No, we... no, no, no. Um, you know, we have, we have incentives to film overall, to, to, to be here, but there was no special ex- exemptions or, you know extensions of courtesy to to bring us back? No. Because as you know, um, when you arrived, there was a bit of a hoo-ha about, uh, in the news about, you know, this film crew that was allowed back in the country. There's some criticism of the government for letting you back in. There's talk of favouritism. The revelation that dozens of crew for the Avatar movie sequels have been granted special permission to enter the country has angered some. An employer urgently seeking the return of one of his workers stuck overseas says it's outrageous the production crew of the Avatar movies have been allowed in while others are still locked out. Some crew from Avatar and Jane Campion's Power of the Dog are already in the country thanks to an exemption made for essential workers. So Ben Ainsley is just one of the world's top sailors clamouring for precious visa exemptions of the type rolled out by the government for the Avatar film Mr Busfield says it's unfair to let the Avatar film crew return to New Zealand, but not those involved in other big earners like the America's Cup. How did you feel about that, or did you just get on with it? Well, number one, there was no favouritism. You know, we we were the highest profile uh, project, but there were other projects at the same time that got, you know, exemptions as well. Um, but the way I looked at it and the way our crew looks at it, the way our community, I believe, down here looks at it is, you know, we're employing over 400 people directly on our production. Our coming down kept another 500, 600 plus at wedded digital working. Uh, you know, we, we made a commitment to spend tens of millions of dollars in this period of time uh, down here. So the economic benefits when trying to get back on the feet um, you know, is something important. E- even now, you know, when we're in level two, um, we realize that, you know, it impacts different people in different ways. And outside of our my hotel every weekend at the wharf is a farmer's market. And I would love going out there and, and, and going to the different vending carts and the food vendors that are there. Well, they're shut down in level two. What we saw this as, as an opportunity for us to give something back a little bit to that community, and we now have during level two one of the vending trucks come out to our facility every afternoon 
and we hire them to feed a meal to f- the 400 or so people who are working every day on our show. So, you know, the movies come in and the economic impact is, is, is quite diverse because we don't just spend um, a company that makes widgets. It's very narrow where they spend their money, mm. uh, where a movie spends its money is we do it on food services. We do it at lumber. We do it at the car rental. We do it in labor. We do it at the local stationery store. We do it in all of these things. So the economic impact is quite great. And so, John, what has actually changed about the way you are filming these sequels and, and the, I guess the film itself because well, of COVID? Well, uh, we were a very limited visitor set anyway to begin with, but we've gone even to a further extreme and we really don't have visitors. So we've really limited the access to our facility. Um, in addition to which, you know, anybody who comes in on a daily basis, they have to go through a health check. We are requiring uh, masks or face shields uh, throughout the entire studio. That includes, you know, on the set, except if you're in front of a camera when you're filming. So if you walked around, you know, the, the studio now, you see people with, with face masks, you see people with face shields, um, you know, and, and, and you see social distancing on the set where uh, there, there are times where we've even taken certain um, departments that support the set and they work on a, on a nearby stage so that we could create keep the population down, even on, you know, 25,000 square foot stages, keeping the number of of people on those stages down to whatever the minimum can be. We have bubbles. For example, there's a cast bubble. And we want those people to intermingle just with that group of people. And if you're in the art department bubble, we don't want you interacting necessarily with the cast bubble to keep these bubbles separate. But how difficult is that? I mean, I'm thinking what, what happens in a scene that requires intimacy or fighting? Again, the cast is in one bubble. We treat them as, as one group. So, you know, they, they go through their protocols. And, uh, you know, for example, uh, as I mentioned to you, we require a mask or a face shield for people. For people who work directly with the cast, we require both. So if somebody's applying makeup to, to a performer, they're required to wear both a mask and a face shield. You know, people like that, that I, I've seen on our, on our stunt team and stuff like that, you know, they're ordering food in and not going out to the restaurants and just trying to be as responsible as possible. Have you had to sort of change the storyline? No, or? no, no, not, not, not at all. You know, it, it, it adds a little bit of time to your day because of precautions and uh, you know, and we're also asking people to sanitize and we sanitize equipment and we have, you know, people aren't sharing computers, workstations and all of that. So so there's 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 a hardship a little bit on the working day that is a little bit less efficient. Say if someone does get sick, if someone gets the virus, what what would you do then? Would you have to shut it down? You know, I think, number one, you evaluate every situation. I think, you know, if someone got the virus, I, you know, I'd, I'd look to what the government is doing, number one, because I think they would have a responsibility and that your government has acted very swiftly and, and concisely and clearly uh, throughout the whole pandemic. Um, you know, what what we did before we even came back, going back to, you know, our educating ourselves, we put together a team of um, medical consultants who advised us, um, you know, on, on our procedures. Um, you know, we had people both in, in the United States and we had people here in New Zealand who were a part of this team, and we continue to be in touch with them 
uh, you know, as different things come up, as, as you know, the country here or our, our locale went to level two, we reached out to them. We, we had uh, people here come by our set at the beginning of the process to watch how we were implementing the mask and face shields to make sure they were comfortable with it. Uh, you know, so uh, we had we had uh, Dr. Michelle Baum here in, in Wellington and, and Dr. Brad, Brad Pinkler. Um, both here, you know, consulting with us, and we still continue to talk to them. And if we had something arise, I'm sure, you know, we would look to the government's leadership and we would turn to them for their advice as well. So with Auckland moving to uh, Level 3, you didn't have to change what you were doing. I mean, you, as you said, you brought in advisors, but the the people so, who were making films up here in Auckland, they had to. They started working from home. So would that be the same? Would you have to follow the same thing if things changed in Wellington? Well, fortunately, we've we've been at level two, um, yeah. and and we always try and be uh, a, a half step beyond what the government is, is asking. Uh, that's why, as I mentioned, we're doing the masks and the face shield. Uh, we took people and 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 people who could work remotely when we went to level two. We asked them to do that. So, for example, if we might normally have six, seven people in the production office on any given day, now we might have two or three, and the rest are working from home. Um, you know, so we're trying to go beyond what what is being asked and trying to you know play play it very safe for everybody. And does it require more collaboration with, you know, your co-workers back in LA? I mean, have you got fewer people here than you would normally have? Well, you know, last year we brought down a, a total I want to say of you know over eighty people, and this year, as I mentioned, we're in the thirties. So mm. we we did bring m- many less people. We really only brought brought down the people who had an intrinsic knowledge or a unique skill set, you know, like the actor. You can't replace the actor. We, we, have, we have a lot of technologies that are very cutting edge that we're using that only one or two people in the world know how to use them. We would bring them. But, you know, we've been able to find people to support us here, that we've been able to bring on additional people and give them opportunities and to train them up. But we're also connecting to our team in Los Angeles on a daily basis, um, and you know we'll we'll be on a, a a Zoom or a Blue Jeans or Microsoft Teams with 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 one of our editors when we're working live on one of our capture sets. It's been such a long time since director James Cameron came out with his box office breaking, technologically innovating big blue alien movie Avatar. But as we start to look elsewhere, Cameron pulls the rug out from under you saying, here, look at these new screenshots, new technology, industry shaking innovation. A lot has been made of the fact that you know New Zealand is the place to come to if you want to make a film because so many locations are COVID-free. But you need more than that to make a film. I mean, you need you need the infrastructure, you need the crews, you need absolutely. Is everything here that you need? Look, we're we're back here. Let's remember we were here on the first Avatar. And we came down into an unknown uh, production situation. It was one we believed we could make work. Um, And we're back because it did work. We're back because we know the talent that exists here. We know the the crew pool that exists here. Uh, You know, we brought less people uh, on, on these sequels than we had on the first movie because we 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 learned that the crew here was so talented so so passionate about what they do that we didn't need to bring necessarily all the people that we brought last time so um you know what exists right now is an infrastructure to sustain an industry and i think that's important is there enough infrastructure though because it seems like you know we're saying to the filmmakers all over the world come to new zealand what 
I've learned over my years in the industry is that production uh, is cyclical. There are going to be times in any location, Los Angeles included, where it's busier and times where, you know, it, it's slower. I, I think that New Zealand is building up to a place where they can handle a consistent busyness. I think there are going to be times where, you know, in any location where a film goes, you know, I, I want to come down and I want to do this. And the stage space might not be there. It's happened to me in London on productions in the past, you know, where you just couldn't get a stage space. And and you wait, you shift, you move things around, and you make it work. But I think New Zealand is building up to that. It's it's great to see um, places like KFS in Auckland, um, which was not here, you know, I want to say five years ago, is now here. It's, it's something we made great use of. Um, the Lord of the Rings, I believe, is, is using it now. So, the infrastructure is continuing to build, and I think we need to continue to support that so that the industry can thrive as we move into the future. What about the skills? Are there enough people who can do these jobs here? We have found that there are enough people who can do it. We, we've never had a shortage of people here, and, and the people that we've found are not only skilled, but they're passionate, and they really care about the quality of their work, and that is something that is very important you know, for us. Um, and, and that's not to say that you're not going to have a specialty uh, skill set that you need to bring someone in for. Uh, but one of the things that we did, and it was our commitment when we started on the on the sequels, is that we've run a whole internship program across a multitude of disciplines uh, where, you know, we, we wanted to train people for the future from editing to art department to production uh, to camera department, you know, the likes. And, and we, we have a very diverse group uh, of people, you know, in those internship roles. Um, and I think that's the type of thing we all should be doing to support the industry, you know, prospectively. How long will you be here? Uh, we, will, we will be here, you know, pretty much through November right now. Oh, uh, so you'll, you'll be gone by the end of the year. We'll be gone by the end of the year. Um, we will keep a presence here. We're going to, you know, continue to do some of our, what we call virtual camera work here. Um, we'll be coming back here for post-production. We'll, we'll be mixing our movies here, uh, which is another commitment that we, we've made. So, um, you know, I, I view New Zealand as my second home. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to ask you, I mean, do you sometimes feel like you're stuck here? I, I don't feel like I was stuck here, but if I did... I don't know that I could think of a better place to be stuck right now. We can leave. I mean, we're not we're not trapped here. It's, it's coming back that becomes the mm. issue. But I, I don't think anybody on our team feels trapped here. I think everybody on our team that we did bring over feels thankful. Uh, they feel thankful that they're working. They feel thankful that they're in an environment where um, they can go out, you know, and, and not be as concerned as somebody might be in other parts of the world about, the, you know, COVID. So I, I think there's an appreciation, and I think that's a true, not just for the crew that we brought in uh, from abroad, but I think there's a, an appreciation for, for all of our crew, uh, that the idea that they are working uh, in, in a time when so many others around the world in our industry can't work. What's it like in L.A. right now? L.A. is, is, is from what I understand, uh, COVID is spreading. I think it's very limited on, on the number of productions that are even up and running. So our crew that is here and some of them in, you know, are away from their families. And that, that's really hard. Uh, you know, that's probably the hardest part of, of being here. It's not feeling trapped, but it's feeling away. So last year, for example, someone on our crew, her family came and visited, I want to say, three different occasions when we were here. And this year they can't do that. 
and she's down here away from her her, her young daughter, her mm-hmm. teenage sons, her husband. Uh, th- that to me is is the is the hardest part of of being here right now. And was it just too difficult? For, say, that family to come out because they'd have to do the two weeks in quarantine. It's not even because of the two weeks in quarantine. I think people would be willing, you know, to do that. I think that we just felt that, you know, we're coming here um, because we asked for exemptions. And and we asked for exemptions for people that we thought were necessary to bring. Yeah. That, That were so critical, so essential that we could not be doing the work that helps New Zealand economy get back on its feet. And we did not go and request... Uh, to bring in my wife, to bring in Maria's husband, to bring in Maria's daughter, and so on and so forth. We said, these are the people, and, and we're we're asking for these exceptions, because these are the people that will unlock the door to millions of dollars flowing into the economy. Well, that's a real sacrifice, isn't it? A sacrifice for your family back home, but also for you working here, months and months away from your closest I, I think that's the biggest sacrifice that people make when they when when they work on location, and, and we're going to be here through November. That's a long time uh, in, in a very uh, emotional situation with with COVID going on and all of all every all the added factors. Uh, you know, especially when we're here over what is the U.S. summer. A year from now, how do you see the film industry in New Zealand? As we've learned over the last six months, a year from now is a long time away. Hopefully, number one, uh, the world as a whole a year from now has COVID much better under control. I see New Zealand as a continuing opportunity for films regardless of COVID or not. I think it has proved itself on the caliber of of work that that it has done. You know, I I did watch Mulan this weekend, and I thought, again, the artistry in that, the cinematography in that, the scope and the scale of that. Loyal, brave, and true. It is my duty to protect my family. You know, that's what our industry is about when, when we create content. And New Zealand has that to offer in the crew. It, it, it has it to offer in its growing infrastructure. Um, so I think that the film business, you know, for a long time is going to be thriving here. Well, speaking of Mulan, because that's, that's uh, been released on streaming. Right. What do you think about the different release strategies? That's on streaming, tenants at the cinema. You're planning cinema release? Absolutely. We Avatar, which we see in 3D and high dynamic range, it, it's supposed to be a, you know an in-cinema experience. One of the things, just if we're talking about in the broadest sense of the word, of, of distribution of, of media content, I'm excited about all the different avenues uh, of, of media content. Why? Because it gives the creators opportunity to do different things. It, it allows the filmmakers to, to make movies in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, it's not just, you know, Mulan on Disney Plus, uh, but Netflix and, and HBO Max and Hulu and all these things. It's giving opportunities for the creative community uh, to create content that has different distribution outlets. I don't think movie going will ever go away. Um, there was a newspaper article in, that I've used, and I've quoted three different papers um, when I've done some presentations that talk about the demise of the film industry, where they say, you know, film 
Film going can be had at home at a cheap rate price these days. The filmmaking business is over as we know it. And then I reveal that those three quotes are from 1972, 1986, and 1995. Wow. Because everybody has always said that, but there's something about the communal experience that is human nature to continue to go out and seek. And I think that will be there, you know, forever. If I had to make an analogy to to the music industry, um, we have all sorts of different ways to access, you know, music content now. Uh, downloads, streaming, Pandora, Sirius Radio, on and on and on. Mm. Uh, but none of it will ever replace the live concert. Movies, cinema, are the live concert you know, equivalent to the visual media. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Adrian Holle and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to John Landau. Mā te wā.